welcome to the See the Sights podcast. So let's talk about the Chiefs. Uh, if, uh, if you don't know, I am from the Kansas City area. Um, and so, uh, well, let me, let me start with this. I have not always been a Chiefs fan. In fact, the Chiefs were probably my, what, third least favorite team behind Miami and Denver. Uh, just, just wasn't a Chiefs fan growing up. Um, I was actually originally a St. Louis Cardinals fan. By the way, this podcast is not about sports today. It's uh, but uh, but it is it is relevant that I bring up the Chiefs because uh, because I got to go to the game on Sunday. I got to go to the AFC Championship game thanks to my younger brother Ben. Um, he uh, the game was on Sunday. He messaged me on Friday. I think it was Friday night. He's like, hey, uh, planning to uh, go to that AFC championship game. Would you like to go? I'd like to take you for your birthday that's coming up. He goes, I know it's a little early. By the way, my birthday is uh, towards the end of February. <laughs> and uh, so I took him up on it and loaded up the wheelchair van, which turns out to be pretty great dual purpose uh, when it comes to tailgating. So uh, used the lift, the wheelchair lift, to load the grill. Uh, my grill just rolled it off the deck and down the wheelchair ramp in the garage, took it out to the van, brought the wheelchair lift down, uh, rolled it on, lifted it up, rolled it in, tied it down in the van, as well as a patio heater and loaded up some coolers, grabbed a bunch of brats from the store and buns and, and chips and soda and went out to uh went picked up my brother downtown on sunday morning and uh headed out to the parking lot to arrowhead stadium and we had a great time brought uh the cornhole or bags depending on where you're from and uh we played a lot of that in fact my brother and i kind of dominated i think we lost our first game and then we won like nine or ten games in a row after that nobody was able to beat us I think there was one game that was maybe even close. <laughs> so how did I become a Chiefs fan? I, um, well, I moved to Kansas City in 06 and moved here not wanting to live in Kansas City. Got here and kind of over the next year to two years fell in love with Kansas City. I moved here to move away and ended up Casey and I turned to each other and decided, I think we should stay. I think I like it here and we can stay close to family. So we decided to stick it out. And because I fell in love with the city and decided to make it my home, I thought, well, I probably should start to support our local teams. And so I uh, I started to slowly become a Chiefs fan, even though that was really hard to do. They were uh, essentially a pretty terrible team. There wasn't... There wasn't much. They kind of always let you down every year. But, you know, I stuck it out. And look at this. Here we are, 2020 season, and they are headed back to the Super Bowl after winning it last year and their third year in a row now of winning the AFC Championship. So pretty amazing. Had a good time at the game. Had great seats, 17th row, like lower level down there. Uh, in fact, what I think the, the, the first... 10 rows are you can't even sit in they have those covered so we were like five rows back seven rows back from the as close as you can get right behind the 
Chiefs line uh, right behind their bench and like 30-yard line. So pretty incredible. Uh, enjoyed the game. It was pretty cold, but thankfully I was wearing an electric vest, which was I borrowed from Casey. I got it for her for Christmas, and it has a battery in it, and the whole thing heats up. And I had a coat on over that and, you know, hat and gloves and... We had hand warmers that I'd brought along. So, we, you know, we stuck it out, and it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too windy, so the, the cold didn't cut into us too bad. It was probably 35 degrees. I think it got colder in the evening, but we had a great time. So, the Chiefs win, and they have their celebration going on in the end zone on our end of the stadium. And... All the Chiefs players and the coaches and just all the people are out there on the field in this big crowd by the end zone. And they roll these things out and they're shooting confetti. And it is this yellow, red, and white confetti. Just this kind of orange cloud flying out of the end zone. Just this cloud of confetti flying around. And I'm watching that and I'm like, wow. I mean, it is shooting and flying all over the stadium. It is flying up and out of the stadium. It's 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 going everywhere. It's pretty impressive. It's really cool. But I got to thinking like, man, what does it take to clean up all of that confetti? You know, I mean, in the stadium, they've got a pretty good chance. They've got vacuums that it's all enclosed in that space. I'm sure they're going to use vacuums and brooms and, and suck it all up and it's probably just throw it away. It's just tiny tissue paper. I'm sure it's biodegradable. But I was thinking, how far did some of that fly out over the top of the stadium? You know, there were there were probably people out in the parking lot seeing confetti falling down on them. I just thought, you know, they're never gonna get all of that confetti cleaned up. They're never gonna find all of it. It's 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 going everywhere. In fact, It'll probably be a long time until they get all of the confetti cleaned up inside of the stadium, for that matter. But it got, to, got me thinking about how hard it is, how, how much harder it is to clean up the little stuff. What is it like? Like glitter, for example. They call it craft herpes. You, you're, you, once you use glitter, you'll always be finding glitter from that project for the rest of your life. You ever get a piece of glitter kind of stuck on your face and you, you, you can't even wipe it off. <laughs> you can't get rid of glitter. It's gravel versus sand. You've got big chunks of gravel. You can pick those up with a shovel and move them to other places. Then you've got the little pea gravel. And, you know, that's a little harder to get. It kind of gets in the cracks and crannies. And then you go down to something like sand. You ever go to the beach you know, you're, you're finding sand in your shoes weeks later. I, uh, I think of quinoa one time where we used to live. I was grabbing quinoa out of the cabinet. In fact, I wasn't even grabbing the quinoa. I was moving the quinoa so I could get to something that was behind it. And for some reason, the Ziploc top of that was not sealed. And the bag was somewhat upside down when I grabbed it. And I, like a, almost a full bag of it dumped out onto the countertop and bounced, of course, all over the floor. And I was cleaning quinoa. You know, I'm in there with the broom and a vacuum and, and, and probably for a day trying to get all that cleaned up. I never got it cleaned up. That was easily, well, I, I want to say that was close to Hudson's probably first or second birthday when that happened. And we, well, she just turned 10. We moved out of there four years ago. When we were moving... I 
was finding quinoa because we took the fridge with us. I found quinoa in between the fridge and the countertop. That that stuff, never spill quinoa in your kitchen. You'll never find it. But it just makes me think of just, just these these tiny things that are, it's the small stuff that's, that's hard to clean. It's the small stuff that's hard to get rid of. It's the t- it's the toughest thing to clean. You know, it's it's dust. It's the you can't tell where it is. You can't tell where all of it is. It gets in the nooks and crannies. It builds up. It's kind of like you, you you keep sweeping stuff under a rug, even though it's small. Eventually, it turns into this big lump, and you you, you know, trip over the lump. I don't know. <laughs> Here's one that drives Casey crazy. How much I bring up poop in our life uh, whenever hudson has a a, a diaper a, a, a poop diaper and i've got to clean it well it's fine if there's that big lump of something in there that wipes up easy but when she's got like a little one just a tiny one that comes out i feel like i've, I've used five times as many wipes to clean it up because it's always the stickiest one the small ones are always it's always the small stuff that's so hard to, to get rid of. The big stuff is easy. If you correlate that to your thoughts, if you think, well, man, let, let's, just, let's just use negative thoughts. We all have them. And the crazy thing is that we, we, that, that we have these little negative thoughts probably more often than you realize. In fact, I think we have a, probably a lot more if we don't practice positive thought if we don't practice this being aware of of when you're having these negative thoughts learning to recognize when they exist knowing when that one little tiny negative thought creeps in that you haven't headed it off at the past and so enough of those accumulate and then you start they start to become that big lump that you're going to trip over you're going to start having these tiny thoughts that add up to this one big negative kind of thought that you have about a situation or yourself maybe uh do i have an example for that i i don't know maybe the imposter syndrome maybe uh well things aren't gonna go well if i try to do this or that it's uh it's me i'll tell you one that creeps in on me is things have been really good for us during this quarantine uh and in fact, I I would say that, that, that things are almost better now than they've been in my life. And that tiny thing that creeps into my mind, that, that, that glitter, that sand, me waiting for that other shoe to drop, waiting for things to go wrong because things are good. For me, when things are going good, I'm... I'm just prepared for it to stop, for it to end, for something equally terrible to happen. And I and I know why. I recognize why. My my father again <laughs> it always goes back to your parents, doesn't it? It's my father was an alcoholic, but the type of alcoholic that he was is he would not drink for a month or two months or three months and he would not have a drop to drink and he would run his businesses and he was a go-getter he was just a killer entrepreneur he could squeeze a, a nickel and turn it into six pennies kind of guy 
on top of his game, sharp, you know, just salesman, just knew how to work a deal. But then he would fall and he would fall for a week or two. And it was always just kind of when things were good, when he was crushing his business, when he would get that far enough ahead, he would decide that he needed to celebrate. And it was like, I'm just going to have this one beer or this one sip of, of this wine as a celebration. And then that was the, that was the match that, that set the haystack on fire. It was, it would turn into a week or two, sometimes even three, two was usually the limit because he would drink from the time he woke up until the time he passed out, you know, the bars were closed or there wasn't some more to drink and it was, he'd go to sleep and he'd get up and he'd pour himself a red beer or even, uh, just a, a regular beer or a glass of wine. I mean, he would drink, you know, drinking in the morning, like nine in the morning, 10 in the morning, he'd pour himself something to drink and he'd head right down to the bar and start right in drinking. Well, he used to drink, uh, Canadian club. Here's the cool thing. Uh, I'm just inserting myself here later while I was editing. It was actually Canadian mist. Okay, back to what I was saying. Yeah, that and cola. And that was, I mean, he'd just go to town. Drink, drink, drink. Well, for us, his family, it was two or three months of business going good. And dad was around. And then all of a sudden he doesn't come home like usual. Uh, and you're going, oh, he's not here. Well, hopefully he's working late. We all would know. My mom, my stepmom, whatever, she would, she start calling down to the business. Are you, you know, seeing if he's still there? And, and sometimes she'd call at seven o'clock and he was still working. He was still at the car dealership, uh, you know, working a deal or something, or he was still at the bar, just the paperwork had gone wrong and he was going to be on his way. But Nine out of ten times, he was not answering the phone at either one of those businesses. In those days, we didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't figure out. You couldn't just call him directly. So you had to call one of those two businesses, and if he didn't answer there, then you generally knew that you were going to have trouble finding him. You would call, well, she would start calling around. She'd start calling around at his, at his main stops. There was one place on his way home, depending on the four different ways you could kind of go home in town and he would take this one road home often it was kind of a shortcut but along that shortcut was a place called the den the d-e-n like a lion's den or or a or a wolf's den a fox's den get it d-e-n and he would stop there almost always that was his usual stop and then and then he would head around to plenty of other places and you were lucky if you caught him at the den who knows sometimes she'd call the den and they'd say no he's not there but sometimes he was sometimes the, the bartenders would cover in fact i make a joke nowadays when i don't know i'm out with a friend and their phone rings and i say well if that's for me i'm not here because that was something you often heard in the bar business in those days the phone would ring the one phone in the bar, nobody had cell phones, like I said, the one, the one phone in the bar would ring and you'd hear three or four guys or girls sitting at the bar and say, hey, if that's for me, I'm not here. 
And it was the bar made the bartender's job to say, you know, basically to lie for that person. Uh, but that kind of depended on the tip they were going to make, right? So for me, it was always wondering, is he going to be there? Uh, is he going to come home? And things are so good, he's going to come home drunk. He's going to get an argument with mom or he's going to get mad at us for something or he's just not going to be here for a couple of days or what chaos is going to happen. And then, of course, the businesses are kind of faltering because he's not in there taking care of it. He's got his assistants taking care of things and they're not the wheeler and dealers. They're just the administrators of things and business is going to kind of falter and then he's going to spend another after he sobers up spend another couple of months of getting things going again and so that i think is why i'm conditioned to wonder if the other shoe's going to drop if it's going if things are going to go bad now that things are going good and so i've been dealing with that a little bit lately and for some reason somehow that confetti got me down this thought process of how the little things are hard to clean up and for me, I need to get rid of that little thing, that little thing in myself of being able to enjoy when things are good. And how am I going to do that? Well, uh, well, I'm going to try to recognize to have this, this awakened understanding of when that thought is creeping into my mind. That tiny negative thought is coming in and not letting it pile up being able to kind of use that 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 inner voice to argue with that inner voice saying oh well you know tomorrow something's gonna happen you know one of the cars is gonna break down or you know hudson's been really healthy for all year so she's probably gonna get sick and we'll have to go inpatient or just any number of things hey uh, Casey's all of a sudden her company is going to cancel contracts for certain reps who don't do XYZ. I don't know. It's, it's these, it's these tiny things all the time that, that are, that are in there in my brain, just in regards to that one subject. Remember that they probably happen for us around lots of other subjects. And so we have to be able to kind of recognize again when they happen and being able to argue with ourselves and 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 head them off at the pass so that they don't pile up so that we can enjoy the good times in our life so that we can start to try to pile up these little positive thoughts that maybe we can offset it by giving ourselves these little positive affirmations occasionally during the day that's the again i think i've referenced it on this podcast those Stuart smallies gosh darn it i'm good enough i'm smart enough maybe if we practice doing that more if we pile that sand up that's stuck in our shoe that that we can start to make sandcastles with it i don't know that's that's a strange analogy but yeah recognize when those negatives are there and try to offset them you know you see one negative offset it with two positives and they don't have to be big just little or take that little negative and try to turn it into a positive try to think 
okay, yeah, that could happen, but that might be a good thing because I can do X, Y, Z, other positive thing to make it a good thing. There are, there's always a silver lining to, to, to almost everything. I say always, but you know, we can't speak in absolutes, but yeah, that's where I am. I'm trying to be conscious. I'm trying to, again, have an awakened understanding of myself. Know when I'm getting in my own way. <laughs> That's going to do it. I am going to remind you guys again that to the world, you may be one person, but the one person, you may be the world. So go be somebody's world. And thanks again for listening. I uh, really appreciate you guys being here. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. So I guess I'll talk to you next time, guys. Bye.